You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I don't know how special it is as a speaker, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Chris, you know, Chris is amazing, and Terry, and then bringing Scott and Lacey back, and all the, this is family, you know, family matters. Family does matter, and, and without family and without people around you that uh, are like-minded and, and, and going after the same things you are, you burn out. You burn out, and you dry up, and you sort of flake away. But with family, it's like a fire that they pull the embers together and just begin to blow and begin to glow, and, and when one's a little bit down, the other one picks the other one up, and when, when, when it's really going the fire is really going well, then you got a bonfire. But we need each other. We do need each other. This has nothing to do with my message today, but it has everything to do. But it has, it has everything to do with my message today, really. Because we are we are who God called us to be. And we're here for a certain reason and a certain time and a time and a place. And this is a time and this is a place. Um, when Chris asked me to speak. He found I was coming up, and he called back and said, you want to speak Sunday morning? The Lord told me to say yes. And I had nothing to speak on. You know, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I was dry. I, I was dry. And I had, I had some old sermons I could bring up and do if I wanted to. But luckily, I worked Friday afternoon, and I was in a hotel by myself Friday night. I started listening to, if you hadn't downloaded Stephanie Grizel's Faith of Fathers album, do it. For me, it brought back all the old songs. And, and I started listening to those songs, and the Lord just started working on me and taking my hard heart that was hard and I didn't know it was hard and began to tenderize it. And I was just weeping and asking him for a word from me. Because if he gave me a word for me, I can give it to you. I can't give you a word that, he, that is not for me. So I was looking at that and, and thumbing through my Kindle. And I saw a book I read about a year ago. And I'm not reading the book. and the, It's not the book. But the book was called The Last Arrow by Edward, Edward McManus. And if you've never read that book, it's about what do you want, what do you want to leave when you leave this world? What do you want to have left on the, you want, you want to take something with you or you want to leave it here? You know, it's, it's a really good book. And the Lord began to show me some things about myself and some things about others here that I believe that there's many people here that are the same way that I am, that, uh, that we need to reflect periodically about where we are. Because we all go through different seasons of life, different times, and some are hard and some are easy and some are good. You know, I've been blessed my whole life. I have, except for about three years, or about seven years out of the last 50, I've had a job that I wouldn't call a job. I would call it exactly what I wanted to do, you know. Flying airplanes, being around airplanes, you know, being a pilot, and just and also then being in ministry, being, being have the time off as a pilot to do what God wanted me to do in ministry, and yet not have to worry about a paycheck. 
you know, and not have to worry about whether I needed to get paid from them or whether I didn't need to get paid for them because he had provided, you know. And so, so I've been blessed in many ways. But yet even, even those, during those times, I can see where I've had ups and downs in the spirit, and hard times in the faith, hard times when my heart was hardened, when it wasn't soft. And we need to all reflect sometimes on what, what we, what's going on. So if you got scripture, if you want to turn to the scripture, it's 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19. And uh, you've, heard the, you've heard it before. I'll just read it. You know it. Elisha came down sick. It was the sickness oh, of which he would soon die. Jehos, I guess that's how you pronounce it, king of Israel paid him a visit. When he saw him, he wept openly, crying, My father, my father, chariot and horsemen of Israel. Basically, backstory: the king was scared to death because of the Syrians were all about to attack him, and he, he didn't know how he was going to survive, and he was looking for Elijah for a word. Okay. Elisha told him, go and get a bow and some arrows. The king brought him the bow and arrows. Then he told the king, put your hand on the bow. He put his hand on the bow. Then Elijah put his hand over the hand of the king. Elijah said, now open the east window. He opened it. Then he said, shoot, and he shot. The arrow of God's salvation, exclaimed Elisha, the arrow of deliverance from Aram. You will do battle against Aram until there's nothing, nothing left of it. Now pick up the other arrows, said Elisha. He picked them up. Then he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. The king struck the ground three times and then quit. The holy man became, ang became angry with him. Why didn't you hit the ground five or six times? Then you would have beaten Aram until he was finished. As it is, you will defeat him three times only. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that, uh, that you give us choices, that you give us responsibilities, that you give us uh, victories, that you give us everything we need. Lord, help us to strike the arrows, to strike the ground with our arrows, Lord. Help us not to, stri not to stop striking, but help us to continue to go after what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, strike the ground with the arrows. He, Elijah told him to strike, but he didn't tell him to stop. He didn't tell him to stop. Now, we've all read that. I've read that story and said, what a dummy. You know, well, he had no faith. Why did he? Well, in reality, that's me. I mean, I strike the ground and I stop. Before, a lot of times, before the Lord tells me to stop. And, and I'm sure that's you too. I mean, we've all done it. Sometime here or the other. We've all read the scripture and heard it many times. So sometimes it takes a point of no return for us to get out of our comfort zones. You know, we're all creatures of habit, aren't we? And we love comfort. And, you know, if I'm comfortable doing something, I just keep doing it. And, and it could be, I used to like the term unfeather the nest. Sometimes the Lord begins to unfeather your nest. And what was comfortable yesterday becomes prickly tomorrow. And, and it becomes more and more prickly until finally you're at the point of no return. You have to either take the line or you stay, take, stay here. And so we all become the point of no return. We, we get there. We have to decide how bad do we want it 
and how much are we willing to give up to go there? Because every time you cross the line, it costs you something. It costs you something financially. It costs you something spiritually. It costs you something friend-wise. It's going to cost you to cross that line, okay? So, when I, after I got out of the Air Force, you know, I was a pilot. I was an instructor pilot. I was, I was you know, typical Air Force guy, probably like the Navy guys too. You know, I, I was full of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I, I, I knew I had it together. I knew I was confident. I knew I could do anything. Well, I got out of the Air Force in the middle of a recession. I was going to get a job with the airlines. No, nobody was hired in the airlines. They were all laying people off, you know. Um, so Delta was not hiring. They had they had they hadn't furloughed anybody at that time in the in the history, but they had the guy the pilots working on the ramp. Dad told me I was in Hawaii. Dad said, "Don't get out! Don't get out!" I'm 26, 27, 27 years old. I know everything. <laughs> so I got out <laughs> and uh, I came home and I went back to school because I couldn't do anything else Nobody, there were no jobs I'd be had fine so I got another degree I, got a, I said well I'll just get a, I like construction I'll just get a, another civil engineering degree I had an industrial engineering degree I'll get a civil engineering degree for construction and then if I don't fly I can be in construction and I said even if I'm a pilot I can be in construction I didn't take time to realize that the economics of construction and airlines work together, you know. So when the airlines are good and you're flying, there's no, the construction is good and you don't have time to work. But when the airlines are bad and you don't have any jobs, there's no construction either. <laughs> so, so that didn't work too good. But I got my degree. And so I went out looking for a job. And here I am, you know, pretty high confident in myself. I get turned down, bam, rejected, bam, rejected, bam. You know, four or five job interviews, and I'm rejected each one. And it's like that confidence goes from here to here, you know. I put on that suit, and I said, I don't want to go, you know. <laughs> yeah. But in the reality, I was probably overqualified. And the main reason I was not getting the job is they knew that when the airline started hiring, I would be gone, you know. So anyway, I finally did get a job, and I finally did get hired with the airlines. But to, just to say that, that. We have to continue to press in to do doing what was going. But the point of no return gets us to where we have to be. We have to step, take in that step. See, this is a quote from that book. Many, time we, many times we heard the command, take the air and shoot. But have we ever heard the command, stop hitting the ground? No, most of us have stopped before we heard that command. We must shoot the arrow and recognize there are things outside our control. That's when you shoot the arrow. You, you, have, you, you aim it, but you have no control over where, exactly where it's going. Okay. And we must strike the arrow and take responsibility for what is in our control. Okay. When we're to shoot and strike, but we're not to do a stop. Okay. So when you get to the point of no return, you can't stop. You have to keep on going. When you get down to the low point, you can't stop. You never fail unless you quit. As long as you get up again, you can continue on, and you're not a failure. It doesn't matter if you've been rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected. You're not a failure until you quit, okay? As long as you get up, you can keep on going. This is a, I guess this whole 
uh, sermon should be topics from an old man. <laughs> things I've done and things I shouldn't have done. <laughs> but uh, but uh, seriously. So. <laughs> Save nothing for the next life, okay? So how many times will you strike the arrow? Strike until nothing is left, you know? You know, many of us, and I love movie, the movie Braveheart, many of us are so afraid of death that we never live. I mean, you've seen it in COVID. We're so afraid, people are so afraid to die that they've stopped living. You know, I'm sorry. If it took me out tomorrow, and it's not going to, but if it did, so what? Yeah, you can only live once. You've got to live the way you're supposed to live and go after it and not not be so afraid to step across the line where 50, I, I saw a guy walk, you know, I better, better not get on this stuff. I saw a guy <laughs> driving down the road by himself and he had two masks and a face shield. <laughs> he's in the car. He's by himself. I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's great. We live in a crazy world. But many of us become so afraid of death that we never live. So afraid of failure that we never risk. And so afraid of, afraid of pain that we never discover how strong we really are. You know, so and that's, not, don't, that's not my quote. That was from the, that was from the book. But, it was, it, it was, it, but, but that's the last one. That's the last one that's from the book. The rest of them are from me. Okay. <laughs> but we are. We're so afraid of death that we're afraid, we, we, we never live. We're so afraid of pain that we never risk. See, faith is spelled risk, R-I-S-K. If you have faith, you want to step out and risk. And if you're not risking, what are you doing? And how are you living? You know, the next point is as you're doing that, find your tribe. Because you can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. There are no, there, there might be Lone Ranger Christians, but they're very ineffective. They're very ineffective, and they don't last. They flake off, like we talked about. They flake off, and, and they'll be down. You know, they'll be a Christian this year, and they won't, be, they won't be going to church next year. And then the year after that, they won't even know God. He knows them. He's right there. But they've, they've walked away. So you need to find your own tribe. You know, when we, we moved to Palm Coast, it took about a year and a half. And there were a lot of good churches but there were no family members. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't a family. It wasn't a tribe. It wasn't. A, it. it I, you just didn't. We just didn't fit. Okay. Now you know, we fit here. We fit in the church we're at now up in St. Augustine. But you got to know where you fit. And then, then when you fit in, you got to serve. You know. Terry was talking about the serve teams. Surf, serving is not just to get things done. Serving is to meet people and connect with people. And you become, fam you become the family within the family. Yeah. You know, and like when we had the Sozo team, it, it, uh, when I was at Bethel or at uh, Riverstone, we were a family within that because we worked, we did together, and we'd go out together, we'd do things together, we'd, we'd go eat together and everything like that. But... So part of the serving is part of being a family. It's part of, part of knowing each other, to know and be known. I mean, you don't want to just come in here on Sunday morning and sit and then walk out and not be known by somebody, okay? You need to be known by somebody, and you need to know somebody. 
Okay. I look at family in three. The, I, I, the, the thing I thought about preaching on was what kind of church does God want, not what kind of church do you want. <laughs> thought about that lately? <laughs> I mean, how many of us, we look at churches, oh, well, I don't like that, or I don't like that. That's pretty good. What kind of church does God want? You know, I think he wants one that, that is kingdom. That, see, the church is not the kingdom. The kingdom uses the church as a tool to advance the kingdom here on the earth. Okay. So God wants a church that's kingdom-minded, that's family, because he's all about family. Father God, I mean, give me a break. How can you not be about family? And he wants one that, that invites and cherishes and, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, where the Holy Spirit is, is, is there to move, to be allowed to be moved, and, and is just cherished. I think those are the three things that a church that God wants. It doesn't have to be in a big fancy building. It doesn't have to be 200 people or 5,000 people or what. It just has to be a place of family, of kingdom, and Holy Spirit. And out of that will flow worship. Out of that will flow the preaching. Out of that will flow the ministry. Out of that will flow the outreach. All of it will flow out of those things. So, but what keeps us from being, what keeps us from taking those steps and crossing that line and being who we can be and who we're called to be as a believer? Our past. And you've talked about identity last week. We've talked about it over and over and over again. Most of us have made our past an idol. And by say that, we focus on it. We're focusing on our past, and that when we, what we focus on is an idol. And that idol keeps us from moving into what God has called us to move into. Because that idol has just chained to, the, to what, what it is, the past. And it doesn't allow us to move in the direction God's called us to move. So we need to take, make our past not an idol, but an altar. An altar to burn all the negativity, all the negative things about our identity, all the things that the people have said that, that who we are, that our teachers have said who we are, that we've said who we are, that's not true because it doesn't agree with what God says who we are. Okay. And burn it. And burn it. So is it an idol or an altar? You've got a choice to make it one or the other. And, and, and to do that, you have to take those memories and experiences and ask the Holy Spirit to set them on fire, set them on fire, and to burn them and let them go. Because that's the only way you're going to become an overcomer instead of being a victim. See, if you, if you allow your past to be the idol, then you become a victim. You become a victim of your past, and you're not allowing God to move in your life and to, re to help you create and reach your destiny. Because you know, we all have a destiny. 
and the destiny is so much greater than you think it is because we're all, and I say this and I'm including myself, we're all in some ways, in some ways we're all still tied to our past. In some ways there are things that we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to burn. We have not allowed the Holy Spirit to take and the And so, guess so-so. No. <laughs> no, no, really, seriously, you need to allow God to show you what that is. What things, what things you're still holding on to. What things you still don't believe about what he says about you. You know, and what things do you believe that you should believe. See, we all, you have God's up here saying this, and you're looking down here believing that. What is true? Truth is up here. That's the truth, but the truth you're living in is down here. So it's a false truth, isn't it? It's not really what God is saying about you. So do you want to stay a victim or an overcomer? You know, Satan always tells you you're a, you're a failure. No, how many people saw the Braves parade? Okay, okay. How many people saw the World Series? Oh yeah. Okay, let's talk about failure and success. Okay, what did Freddie Freeman? What was his final batting average? Three hundred one this year. He finished with a three hundred one batting average. Sounds great, doesn't it? Until you think that he missed seven. Ball, he struck out seven times or got seven outs for every three hits. He, every three out of ten, he only got three out of ten hits. Does that sound like a failure or success? You would think it was a failure, except in baseball, that's pretty darn good. Now, at May 7th, his batting average was 198. Now, he had a choice at that time. He had a choice to dwell on what had happened or to focus on what could be. 198 to 301 in three, four months? That's pretty good. He probably bad over about 400 in some, some, of that, some of that time. So that's your choice. You might be sitting there today with a 198 batting average. And things aren't going well. Everything you, you put up here has fallen, seems to have fallen there. And you're frustrated, you're, you're, you're you know, stressed. But you have to allow, give, what Scott said today and what we sang, give that, put that on God's altar. Put that on his hands. You know, like I said, I'm just a messenger. He's going to do it. He's got to do it. It's not, it's not about me or what, what I'm doing. It's about what he's doing. So we have to allow him to begin to move. And go from 198 to 301. Fear of failure is going to rob you of the success and keep you from reaching your destiny. And we all fight that fear of failure. We all fight that fear of man. We all fight that. We fight it sometimes daily, sometimes more than that. You can't dwell on yesterday, you know, the failures or successes. Uh, there's more, but the more is in today and in the future. The more is not yesterday. You know, you can't go back and get the more. It's not there. The more is out here, okay? We want more, you got to go after it. You got to go forward, you got to go after it, okay? You can't stay there, okay? So some of the things I've been struggling with, back in, 
And I'll go, I'll go back and I'll go where I am now. Well, I'll go where I am now and I'll go back. Okay. You know, I've, like I said, I've been in aviation for almost 50 years. And I've decided through the prodding of the Lord and my wife, mainly the Lord, <laughs> that it was time for me to retire, to totally, totally retire from Delta, to totally quit training pilots and to uh, step down. And to be honest with you, one day I'm saying, yeah, that's great. And the other day I said, who is my source? God, you're my source. I'm not my source. You're my source. You know, it's, all, it's always this, 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 and this. And it goes back to when I was forced to retire in 2003, basically when Delta was going into re- in bankruptcy. And I had to retire to protect what I could. And so one day I was flying and thinking about flying for the next six years, making all kinds of money, and the next day I'm retired. And that, that next four years, I struggled mightily with identity and who I was because I didn't realize it, but most of my identity was tied up in what I did. It was my job. And for men, that's, that's pretty much the case for most men. Their identity is tied up to a lot with who they are. Now, as we become believers, we, we begin to get rid of some of that. And you think you got rid of it all until something happens. <laughs> and, and you realize it's a lot still there. A lot still there. And you can't do it. So, so it took me about four years to get over that. This is going to be a lot easier. Because I, you know, it's, I, it's on my terms. And it's time, time when I want to do it. And, and I, can, I can think about it. But, but many times, we talk about that comfort thing. We come to a place where we're comfortable. And we want to stay. And sometimes we do get to stay for a season. But if we continue to strike the arrows and go after the more, sooner or later we have to cross the line. You know, sooner or later we have to cross the line. And when you cross the line, guess what? Sometimes your friends don't go with you. Sometimes all the people that you're close to don't go with you. And you're alone. And, and you say, come on, guys, what happened? But they aren't there yet. That's Okay. They'll be there, or maybe, maybe not. If they don't, God, I'll give you new, new friends, new people. You know, when we, when we do cross the line, we have to be willing to go alone. And you can't blame somebody for not going with you because God has to tell them to go. You know, you, can, you can't judge people. You, you can only love people. I think the church that we talk about, we want to be, is a church that loves everybody but doesn't want everybody to stay where they are. You know, I love you. Now let's see what, let, let God show you what you can become, you know. But I'm going to accept you where you are. I'm going to accept you even if you don't become who you are. But I'm going to show God, let God show you who you are. And I'm going to do everything I can to let him show you who you are and who you can be and help you get there, you know. So, so what is my source? Yeah. So one thing God told me is I was getting ready to retire, and really the thing that talked me into it. Sometimes you have to be talked into things with God, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all the time. Uh, it's always a conversation. <laughs> like like when um, when I was uh, taking Cheryl down to 
we rode down to a Sozo conference. I, I would, um, Julie had passed away in about a year, year and a half or so, and or year about a year and three, you know, right out of a year. And Cheryl and I were going down, and, and I didn't know she was reading my blog. I didn't know anything about her, so I was, she was, I was just letting her talk all the way down. God told me I was going to marry her, going down, and I, I wasn't going to marry anybody. I had already decided I had my Harley and I was getting a dog. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so, so he's but so he had the, he, so I I had that conversation with him for a long time, you know I'm not marrying anybody. He said, Yeah, you're marrying her. So no, I'm not marrying anybody. And so I'm married married Cheryl. <laughs> and now if you'll show that picture, I got the dog. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not the Labrador I was thinking about getting, <laughs> but. <laughs> But, so we have conversations with God, and it's okay to have a conversation with God. It's okay to get mad at God. He knows what you're thinking. It's okay to, to, to cry out after him, to agonize after him, to get mad at him. But what is not okay is to ignore him. And just, but to have that conversation, and he'll change your mind eventually. <laughs> <laughs> or he'll he'll keep you in that place and make you more and more prickly until you have to do something, you know. So anyway, but in this conversation with God, uh, he said, "Tom, what is your greatest asset? What 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 thing do you have that is your greatest asset?" And he said, "Hint is not money." Okay, and, uh, and then. He told me, my greatest asset is time. My greatest asset is time. How much, I have a finite amount of time. We all have a finite amount of time. What do you want to spend that time doing? What do you want to spend that time doing? And I said, well, I love training pilots, but I don't want to spend all my time training pilots for the next, however long I got to live, you know. And he said, so I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out what, that time, what I'm going to be doing with all the time. You know, we're still having that conversation. But, but, uh, but he, and then he said, what's your next greatest asset? Health. Because you can have time and not health and you can't do anything. So time and health are really the two greatest assets we all have. So what are we doing with them? What are we going to do with them? One thing, you got to try to keep yourself healthy. Do everything you can. You know, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we treat our bodies like, like they're trash, trash bins. Yeah, I do. You know, snacks here, snacks there, snacks there. <laughs> you know, put them in, take it out. <laughs> so what are we willing to go after? What are we and what are you willing to go after with the time and the health that you have with all your heart, soul, mind, and body? That's the question for you today. I want, one of the ones I want to leave with you. Another one is, what is your legacy? What legacy do you have right now? And what is it? And I've been thinking about that and praying about it. I got one more arrow verse, though. Psalms 127.4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And I, I would take that a step further. Natural children, yes. yes. But also... People you have poured into, people you have poured into, and you might not call, you might not use the term children, or you might not use the term father, but they're people you have invested 
your time and your energy into and your love into over the years. That is your legacy. That is your legacy. And it's much bigger than you think. It's much bigger than you think. So, as Bud and I have been talking about going old, nobody, nobody, taking, nobody caring what we say anymore, <laughs> we, we realize that our legacy has been built up over time. And, and you're building your legacy right now. You know, I'll be 75 in June. You know, if I have 15 years left, that'd be awesome. You know, so I, my time is, going, is getting shorter. You know, but, but uh, I said that when I was 65, if I have 15 years left. <laughs> so, so I'll keep saying it over and over again. But, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, 30 or 40, yeah. Maybe, only if it's good 30 or 40. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but our legacy is what we've invested in. And, you know, you're part of my legacy. You know, other things are part of my legacy. My kids are definitely part of my legacy. And my grandkids. But our legacies are so much more than our kids and grandkids. Our legacies are everyone we've touched. You know, everyone we've touched. Par Scott's legacy is down somewhere with those people who are down in San Francisco. You know, all over the world, our, our legacy is wherever we've touched, wherever we've infected people. And that's what God wants you to know, is that you have a legacy, and you are greater, and you are more important than you realize. And you can do things that you don't think you can. Because remember, he's your source. See, Delta's not my source. Delta doesn't provide my income. Delta doesn't provide my identity. God provides my income and my identity. And I have to focus on that and allow him to show me that even without Delta, I'll be fine. And I know I will. You know, I'm, I'm fine. But I guess what I want to leave you with is you're not a failure. Even if you're down there and batting 198 and the worst is happening and you're going through it, pick yourself, uh, the old song, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. You know, we can all do it. And if you're riding high, that's awesome. I want, you know, you're, you're in, there are seasons. You go through seasons of life. You, you're going to go, as you live and you walk this earth, you're going to go through highs and lows. Highs and lows. And the key thing is to give God the glory for the highs and give him the, the grace for the lows. He'll give you the grace for the lows. You know, you give him the glory for the highs and he's going to give you the grace for the lows and allow you to come up. So why don't you all stand? Just uh, close your eyes. I want you to ask. This is between you and Papa God. Papa God, what conversations do we need to be having right now? What conversations with you do I need to be having right now? Am I in a low that I need your help to get to the high? Or am I in a high, or am I in a high and I want to give you the glory? And just allow him to take your heart and tell you how much he loves you and hold your, just hold you and squeeze you. Because he wants to love you. He wants to walk with you. 
He's walking with you in the, even in the lows. He has a plan for you. He has purpose for you. He has a destiny for you. You're an amazing person. And he is an amazing God. So, Lord, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you that you're going to show us all in our conversations with you whether we need to burn anything on our altar of the past and what it is. So we and help us to get up and move forward into the more that you have for us, Lord, because there is always, always more. In Jesus' name, amen.